Hello and welcome back to Holistic Health Masterclass Podcast. This is Brett and uh, today we're back with a very, very interesting episode, I gotta say. Um, Before we get into that, I just wanted to say thank you for the messages that I received. Um, Seems like a lot of people really enjoyed my conversations that I had with uh, Professor Chris Exley. So if you haven't um, listened to those, you can go back, Uh, especially the one defending science. You know, I think it really opens up a larger uh, conversation uh, that is especially relevant to what's going on in the world right now. Um, I don't have any announcements today. Uh, suffice to say that things have been very busy. We finally wrapped up our um, the last lesson of my Digestive Health Practitioner Masterclass. And uh, once again, if you're a part of that program and um, you you know the, the feedback from that was just incredible, uh, take that information, start applying it into your clinical practice and see what happens. All right. And uh, for those of you who are considering taking that program, uh, we'll be opening up enrollment uh, fairly soon, um, but we will not be doing it live. And uh, I'll share more on that as things unfold. Right, so on to today's episode. And my guest today is uh, Ashok Gupta. Uh, He is the founder of the Gupta Program, which you will hear about on this episode. And uh, a very interesting uh, guy who has done some very, very interesting work over the better part of 20 years. Uh, What you will hear in this episode, and the title of the episode is Brain Retraining for Chronic Health Issues. And really the overarching themes in this uh, episode are brain retraining and neuroplasticity with regards to chronic health issues. This was a conversation that I personally enjoyed very much. Um, It is dovetails and overlaps in a lot of the work that I do, particularly with autoimmune disease and some of these very um, high sensitivity uh, type of illnesses. And uh, just to sort of paint the landscape a little bit here, Really, um, we we talk a lot about what brain retraining is and what neuroplasticity is and then sort of tie that together with a lot of these chronic health issues. And basically the premise here is that um, the the brain and the limbic system, really the, the unconscious system, if you will, is overreacting to things that have happened in the past, in a sense, and continues to overreact. And this gives rise to a lot of uh, what uh, Ashok has coined here is what, what, are, what are called NICs, okay? So neuroimmune conditioned syndromes. And we basically cover, you know, what are NICs? So we sort of define them. And uh, as you can gather from the name, neuro, brain, nervous system, immune, immune system condition syndromes. We talk about what the underlying triggers are, why we're seeing such a rise in these types of illnesses. Uh, We talk about the impacts of modern living and how our limbic system is responding to this and how uh, toxic food, chemicals, stress, our modern lifestyle is really priming the pumps for immune overreactivity and sensitivity. And we touch on some very fascinating things with regards to the holistic space and how many people who are suffering from these very, very complex, very, very high sensitive and overreactivity type of illnesses are becoming dependent on supplements in very much the same way as they are um, having these types of triggers. 
right? And these these illnesses. We talk a little bit about long COVID, uh, viral and bacterial triggers, and then we wrap up um, by talking about what Ashok's program is, uh, the Gupta program. Um, very, very well reviewed. Um, I've started uh, dipping my toe into that as well and checking it out. And uh, I think if you are resonating with this and you're suffering from something that's more chronic and complex and you've tried supplements and diets and exercises and all sorts of other stuff, you might want to look into the Gupta program as uh, the missing piece of the puzzle here and really um, using neuroplasticity and brain retraining to affect all of the downstream things right that uh, might be uh, driving your type of illness uh, listeners of the podcast you can get 15 percent off the gupta program you can check out the show notes or you can go to guptaprogram.com that is g-u-p-t-a program.com and you can use the coupon code masterclass so that is all one word masterclass uh, our quick word from our show sponsors before we get into it here. And uh, once again, we have Energy Bits as our sponsor. Um, Nutrient-dense, right, power-packed blue-green algaes, so spirulina and chlorella. And uh, you are entitled to 20% of all of your orders. So that's not first orders, one-time purchases. That is every single order from here on out. Squeaky clean, non-toxic, super power blue-green algae, you can go to energybits.com and you can use the coupon code MASTERCLASS as well. And that is 20% off for all of your orders moving forward. So energybits.com and coupon code MASTERCLASS. Right. So without further delay, let's hop into today's episode, Brain Retraining for Chronic Health Issues with Ashok Gupta. All right. Hi, Ashok. Uh, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Brett. Thank you for inviting me on this. Um, I am quite excited. Um, as we were just chatting about off air, um, I think there's a lot of overlap in uh, some of the work we do anyway. And certainly, um, as we get into our conversation today, uh, I think a lot of people listening will sort of realize that uh, maybe some of the things they're doing, which are the right things, um, are, you know, there's certain limitations on that. And uh, maybe some of the things that you're doing uh, are really complementary in terms of a, of a true holistic approach uh, to help mm. people achieve the highest level of health possible. Um, before we get into any of this, I mean, you also have a fascinating story, uh, very much the hero's journey, um, in a mm. sense. So I think it's a good place to start. Um, because I always have a lot more, not a lot more respect, but I do respect people that have gone through the healing journey themselves, and then have mm. really like yourself, I mean, over many years now, you've you've taken a real deep dive, and uh, you're now forwarding that um, to other people. So uh, why don't we start there and um, tell us a little bit about your background and your story? Yes, I'd, I'd love to share that. So like many of us, as you say, who have been on this journey and supporting other patients in a clinical environment, we've been through our own struggles, our own challenges, and we've, we've learned so much. Uh, and that was my story. So I, I was studying as an undergrad at Cambridge University. And, you know, everything was great. I was burning the candle at both ends, probably pushing my body a bit too much, like probably a lot of us do at university. And um, I then went to India, got some kind of stomach bug. And I got back to the UK, uh, was studying as normal, and the stomach bug dissipated, so it, it kind of relieved, resolved itself. But I just started feeling worse and worse and worse, uh, to the point at which if I pick up a textbook, I couldn't even read the words on the page. I couldn't concentrate. My wow. memory went. 
I felt intensely fatigued. In my worst days, I had to crawl to the bathroom. And it's like a, suddenly a brick wall in front of me and I go from doctor to doctor and they say, we don't know what's wrong with you. You might have this thing called chronic fatigue syndrome or ME. We don't know what causes it. We don't have any medications for it. And you might have it for the rest of your life. And, you know, such a, a terrible time and, you know, almost suicidal at certain points thinking I can't live the rest of my life feeling like this. And I I'd obviously met lots of other people with a condition. and I made a promise to myself if I can get myself better, I will dedicate the rest of my life to helping other people with this condition because I could see a huge amount of suffering going on. So in an ad hoc way, I started reading a lot about brain neurology, a lot of the work of Professor Joseph Ledoux, who was an expert in, in the 90s on the amygdala and parts of the brain, and started putting a hypothesis together. And then in, in an ad hoc fashion, I managed to retrain my brain, so obviously what we'll, we'll talk about, mm got myself 100% better, and then set up a clinic to treat others. And then I also published a, a medical hypothesis, which was published in the medical journal called uh, Medical Hypotheses, um, and then went on from there to publish other studies as well. So yeah, that's been my, my kind of very colorful journey, I feel. Wow. And I mean, I can totally appreciate uh, how you must have felt at that time, uh, you know, as you know, I, I work with a lot of complex conditions. And uh, yeah, people are people are just at the end of the rope, um, you know, and, and they feel especially, you know, and, and not to bash the medical system at all. But you know, we, we also need to recognize that uh, drugs and surgery have their time and place. But for chronic conditions like this, unfortunately, the, the drugs and surgery don't really do much, you know, aside from perhaps provide some temporary symptomatic relief or, or something to that effect. Um, so the the thing that fascinates me about the the things that you've done, um, you know, you mentioned retraining your brain, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, th this whole idea, and this is just front and center right now in the in the health and wellness space, but really the functional medicine space as well, the functional neurology space, um, is just sort of seeing the far reaching impacts of you know we we talk about things like the gut brain connection, right? Mm. And and I think that um, you know it's it's a very simplistic term because it's not just the gut itself and the brain, when we start looking at how the brain is hardwired um, to to the gut, it's not just the gut, it's actually all of the internal organs. Mm -hmm. And of course, from there, if anything sort of becomes disconnected or impaired or impeded, um, that's going to crop up in a myriad of different ways, um, depending on from person to person. And that's exactly what makes these conditions so complicated, because mm -hmm. unfortunately, it's not just saying, well, this person has X diagnosis, and all of the symptoms are exactly the same from person to person and all of the causes are exactly the same, you know, it's it's far more complicated in that sense. So I think for listeners who are maybe not familiar with some of these, some of the terminology, right? Um, you know, you're, you have a big focus on the amygdala. Uh, so why don't we just start there and we can kind of uh, springboard from there. What, what is the amygdala? What does it do? So the amygdala, we have two of them. Um, that sit behind the eyes in the limbic system part of the brain. Now, the limbic system is a part of the brain that uh, mammals have, and it's our essentially our emotional centers, but also certain survival instincts that occur in that part of the brain. So uh, you have the mammalian brain kind of in the middle, so that's the kind of limbic system, and then built on top of that, you have the outer, the cortex, which is well, the neocortex more associated with obviously human beings. And the amygdala, its role is essentially to detect dangers, assess those dangers, and then create an appropriate defensive response. 
And traditionally, the amygdala has been associated with psychological responses. Hmm. Because in medicine, that's what we do, right? We say this is a physiological response, this is an immune response, this is an emotional response, and we start in this reductionist fashion, reducing everything to its bare principles. But in fact, the, what recent research has shown is the amygdala is not just involved in psychological responses, you know, PTSD or anxiety, but also physiological responses, like pain responses, immune responses. And that makes sense because the brain doesn't differentiate between these different aspects of medicine. The brain simply says, what is the threat or danger? Is it biological, physiological, etc.? Let me create the appropriate holistic response to keep this person alive. So the immediate, in a summary, is, is that's what it does. And another structure that we are retraining in our belief is a part of the brain called the insula. And that actually isn't part of the limbic system per se, it sits between the limbic system and the cortex. And the limb and the insula, as far as we know, its job is to take in incoming information from the viscera, so from the body, interpret that information, so that's immune information, autonomic information, and then create the appropriate immunological and autonomic environment that ensures homeostasis and ongoing survival. Yep. So those are two structures that we believe in brain retraining, we can retrain. Um, and in fact, what's really interesting is um, there's a study just recently out from Israel from, by Dr. Uh, Asia Rolls. And in their studies, they found that in rats, uh, they were able to trigger inflammatory bowel disease in rats. And then when they detected where this was occurring in the brain, it was the signature of that immune response was in the insula. And yeah. then they were able to trigger electrically that signature in the insula and create the ins inflammatory bowel response. And that was the first time we have confirmation. And when we'd had this hypothesis for the last 15 years or so that the insula is where it's being stored, we now have confirmation, certainly in animal studies, that the, we can trigger immune responses centrally in the brain, which is you know, wow. very fascinating. Yeah, and that sort of um, taps into something that I know a lot of people here on this on this podcast and in this space. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about things like the vagus nerve, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, how the vagus nerve, um, you know, the wandering nerve, and uh, how this sort of uh, you know essentially interfaces um, between our internal organs in our brain. And um, as you just said, you know, even that like sending messages uh, down to these effector organs in a sense, um, and yeah, initiating inflammatory responses, mediating immunological responses, and so forth. So um, it's fascinating because, you know, I, I think that when we think of these things like inflammatory conditions or immunological conditions, most people do not think of brain health at all, no. really. You know, no. it's, it's, it's a chemical issue is essentially what most people think, right? Exactly. And on that point, uh, what's happening is that traditionally in medicine, the brain was a black box. So medicine, traditional medicine, and once again, as you say, I'm, I'm in no way against traditional medicine. I think it's got a huge amount of uh, progress that has been made, but the brain was always the black box. So what medicine did was, what can we measure physiologically in the body? Well, we can measure enzymes and hormones and immune responses. So that's where we'll create hypotheses as to what's occurring. And the, the brains are kind of this black box. We don't really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And certainly in the last 20 years or so, we've been, you know, been able to peek into the brain and start seeing, okay, this is doing this, this is doing this. And we still don't know exactly what it's doing. And so uh, theories like, for instance, vagus nerve theory, vagus nerve innovation, what's happening there is 
I, it's a, I believe it's a red herring because the vagus nerve cannot operate by itself. It is getting signals right. from the brain. And therefore, if we deal with the brain, all of the downstream things naturally solve and resolute, resolve themselves. And there's certainly feedback loops between the gut and the, the vagus nerve. But once again, if you solve it upstream, you'll solve it downstream. And the, the analogy I always give is imagine you're standing on a bridge and a lot of medicine and even a lot of complementary therapists, we're standing on the bridge and we can see people drowning. So we're jumping in and we're saving them, jumping in and there's another person drowning, quick save them. And then we set up a hospital next to the bridge saying, right, when people, when we see people drowning, at least we can get them out and put them in the hospital. But no one's asking the question, who's throwing these people into the river in the first place <laughs> upstream, <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's go and find that out instead of trying to figure out what's going on uh, when it's too late and it's uh, kind of downstream. Now, of course, I'm being facetious. It's about both, right? So I'm, we're not dogmatic. It's like, of course, we need to deal with the downstream effects. But often we find if we can go direct to the source of where a lot of these conditions arise in the brain, we find that the, a lot of the downstream effects actually naturally dissipate, uh, which is incredibly exciting for so many different conditions. Yeah. Well, and I think that ties in with what I was saying in our opening, you know, where, where especially in, in the health and wellness space, in the functional medicine space, in the nutrition space, um, I think, you know, people are doing the right things in terms of managing the downstream effects. Uh, and we now start to see things like mindfulness, like meditation, um, you know, breathing exercises and so forth, and, uh, and, and neuroplasticity, which we'll talk about next. And, you know, I, we're starting to see the research on that. But I'm also starting to see how um, simple things like that, you know, actually, you know, I was quite shocked, you know, I deal a lot with autoimmune issues, right. And of course, I'm not in your position where I have, you know, 15, 20, years of, of, uh, of um, you know, brain studies and, and all that sort of stuff. But mm -hmm. I know, you know, I understand and appreciate what that does for people. And I started recommending to people just basic breathing exercises, you know, nothing crazy, two to three minutes a day, maybe twice a day. And, and I just sort of said it more as like a side note, you know, it's like, okay, so let's do all the things, let's tweak your diet, let's use, you know, the right supplements, blah, blah, blah. And then let's also do this as a sort of stress reduction lifestyle technique. Yeah. And, and what I started noticing as time went by is so many people came back and they were like, you know, the breathing exercises, that's been the biggest thing, you know, it's, it's made yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. Um, so and that kind of, uh, you know, I started paying more attention to that. And uh, obviously, then started researching and, uh, and implementing a lot more of these types of things into uh, into the clinic. And uh, lo and behold, when you combine everything, as you're mm -hmm. saying, you know, that we're looking at people drowning, we're looking at the bridge, we're looking at the hospital, and um, mm -hmm. that really is a holistic approach um, to many of these conditions, right? Yeah. Um, so you've coined a phrase here, uh, neuroimmune conditioned syndromes, right? So yeah. uh, that's a bit of a mouthful. Um, can you mm -hmm. maybe explain what that is, first of all, and then maybe um, what some of these conditions might be, so that our listeners, if they're suffering from these, um, might identify with that? Yeah. So I'd like to start off with the question of why are we getting so many more of these conditions in modern society? Mm. And, then, and then I can look at these nicks, that, as we call them. So we feel that what's happening is over the last few hundred years, we've stopped living according to our evolutionary inheritance. So for most of our experience as human beings, we would be hunter-gatherers, we'd be living in small fishing villages, we'd be outdoors a lot of the time, and we wouldn't be having these toxins in our food and our environment. In the last couple of hundred years, we now shove ourselves into boxes, sit in front of screens, and don't get daylight and sunlight, and eat a lot of you know very toxic type of foods. Mm -hmm. And so the system 
is in a pro-inflammatory response continually. So we're continually a low grade inflammation is then affecting the body, which then causes a lot of the, the kind of conditions that you'll see and many of your practitioners will see in the clinic. But then what happens is it primes the pump for a more reactive response. So then along comes a virus, a bacterial trigger, etc., and then triggers what we call these neuroimmune condition syndromes. So neuro because it's in the brain and the nervous system, immune because often it involves over-triggering or dysfunction of the immune system, conditioned because it's learnt, and syndrome because each person has a unique set of symptoms according to the learning event or the conditioning event in the brain and their genetic disposition. And those NICs are the then, and the, the reason they have so many crossovers is because we believe the core of the response is the same, but the unique set of symptoms depends, as we said, on the disposition of the, of the person. And so we include ME and chronic fatigue syndrome, long COVID. So we're treating now hundreds of patients with long COVID, fibromyalgia and unexplained pain syndromes, where the pain system itself becomes hyperactive. And then the sensitivity illnesses, so mold illness, chemical sensitivities, MCAS, mast cell activation. And then there's a whole host of other conditions that we never expected people would use it for. So as an example, um, Dr. Heather Sanderson is very well known in the uh, Alzheimer's space. Hmm. She said, we've been using your program with Alzheimer's patients and reversing Alzheimer's. Wow. And I, and I, I couldn't believe it. Then people have been using it with MS. Because essentially what our program does is it looks at what is the reason that this immune system is being over-triggered? What's this pro-inflammatory response or hyper-response, which we know now is probably responsible for Alzheimer's? And how can we switch it off at a physiological level? So certainly anti-inflammatory diet, diet and supplements is great, but actually let's go to the source. Let's go to the brain, switch off this pro-inflammatory response, and then the whole system comes back to its natural homeostasis. So the definition of neuroimmune condition syndromes is beginning to expand and expand as we hear more and more people uh, using this type of approach. Hmm. And that's fascinating. And uh, once again, I mean, you know, it, it's uh, I, I think I want to just sort of underscore something as well that the the dietary and lifestyle factors, you, you know, taking um, appropriate supplementation will will obviously enhance everything that we're talking about, you know, so um, and I just say that because look, we live in a world where everyone wants the easy route. You know, it's um, like, just just give me a pill or, you know, let me flip the switch and make it all go away kind of thing. But unfortunately, these types of complex conditions it's just not like that you know and uh, when you look at people like dr terry walls for example um yeah. you know she basically reversed her ms i mean she was in a wheelchair and uh, i would be curious to know if she implemented any of the things um you know that that you're talking about but certainly you know the the diets the supplementation and so forth really made a huge difference for her um and this is exciting because you know how many people out there with these types of chronic conditions just feel completely helpless and defeated you know much like yourself right how, how you felt um back yeah. then so uh you know um and it's exciting as well because um again i think a lot of people are very frustrated with the type of care they're getting from their primary care physicians um even from medical specialists who perhaps don't know about some of these things that we're talking about um you know it's it's simply immunosuppressants or anti-inflammatories or something to mm -hmm. kind of like cut the signals so to speak um but, yeah. but not actually resolve anything right no absolutely and, and what's happening is even when people then take those they become habit forming so then your system over responds to compensate and actually makes things worse and then you try and come off those 
uh, anti-inflammatories and whatever, and the, sy the system's just very confused and, and, and mixed. So absolutely, if there's a way that we can truly get into this idea of holistic health and treat all aspects of the mind, body, and soul, then we can get some really good results and that's yeah what yeah so well i want to dig into um some of the aspects of your program and, and all that sort of stuff but before i do i want to circle back to a couple of points you mentioned uh things like toxins you mentioned things like um bacterial or viral infections and so forth you know in your um in the way that you see things do you feel like it's also important to get rid of these things you know, in, in other words, like, let's say, uh, because detoxification, I mean, there's a lot of caveats with that, right? And I think for a lot of people, it's like, well, if I just eat clean for five days, there's detoxification. And some people say detoxification is a, is a complete waste of time. Um, and I, so I think there's a lot of nuance to that. But, but you know, without getting in the weeds with that, um, I think, you know, let's, for example, say, I'll just sort of put something hypothetical out there. Let's say someone does have a chronic bacterial infection, or maybe they've got something, uh, you know, biofilms that are there or drug resistant um, infections and so forth. And now that person is in this chronic, you know, pro inflammatory state um, with one or more of these conditions that we've spoken about. Mm. Is, is it fair to say that we should also be targeting that infection, or we should also be aiming to remove the toxins in conjunction with uh, the the neuroplasticity side of things? You know, Brett, it's such an interesting question you ask, and we could, we could spend the rest of the podcast kind of answering <laughs> that one question because it's a, it's a huge question. So to, to help answer that question, if I can just share the underlying hypothesis in a very simple way, yeah. and then, I, then it's going to be easier for me to, to answer that question there. So I think in terms of the overall hypothesis, what we believe is that there are three triggering factors for these types of illnesses. So one being... Um, a physical trigger. So that could be a bacterial infection, a viral infection, a toxin exposure in the case of mold, etc. And that's often combined with, secondly, the disposition of somebody. So that can be their psychological disposition, and that can also be their genetic predisposition mm. to getting the condition. The third trigger we notice is acute or chronic stress as a third factor that often then triggers these sensitizing events. So now you've got those three triggers, the physical trigger, the a kind of psychological or emotional stress, and then their genetic or personality mm -hmm. disposition. Combination then creates a conditioning effect in the brain, where the brain now becomes hypersensitive. If we take the case of, let's say, long COVID, the brain knows that, okay, this COVID infection is dangerous, and I've only just managed to fight it off because I'm stressed. And when I'm stressed, the immune system is lowered. So let me fight off this COVID infection. Phew, I managed to fight it off. But you know what, that, that was close and our life was threatened there. So now what I'm gonna do, anything that even reminds me of that COVID mm. infection, I'm gonna to continue to trigger this condition response, this learned response. Because from an, an evolution perspective, our number one priority for the brain is survival, not wellness. The brain doesn't, couldn't care less that you have got inflammatory disease in your stomach or you have got, uh, you know, this enzyme's not right or you've got bacterial overgrowth. What matters to it is your survival. That's the number one priority. So you can pass your genes onto the next generation. So for the brain to say, you know, we only just managed to fight off COVID. Let's continue that inflammatory response. That is the logical thing for the brain to do, except it makes us feel unwell. And then what happens is it triggers the COVID response the immune response, which then creates symptoms throughout the body and tiredness and all the other things we know, which feed back to a hypersensitive brain that then says, I knew it. I knew we were in danger. We still have 
a potentially this infection, let's trigger the immune response and the nervous system response. And then you get caught in a vicious cycle where the brain and the body continually respond to each other. And just like you've mentioned, we hear about the brain gut interaction. It's as you say, it's actually a brain and whole body interaction. Right. Of yeah. kind of immune system and nervous system. And, and Britt, are you, a, I don't know if you're a fan of, of Game of Thrones at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like Game of Thrones, yeah. Great, so I'm going to use this Game of Thrones as an analogy, which really brings it alive for people. So imagine you're the king of the castle, and the castle is going through a drought, yeah? And therefore, there's not enough wheat, there's not enough corn, there's not enough metal. And so the castle is weakened. And the army is your nervous system, and the navy is your immune system to defend the kingdom and the castle. And suddenly in this weakened state, an invading army comes over the hill and the army and navy are galvanized. They fight with all their might and they get rid of this invading army. But then the generals come to you, King Brett, and say, you know what? We only just managed to defeat them. We now need all the resources of the kingdom. We want all the metal, the corn, the wheat, all the young men all have to come and battle in the army and navy to defend us against in incoming invaders. And what then happens is, because the army and navy are traumatized, they keep looking over the hill over there to see anyone coming over. And just a little child walking over that hill, they trigger all the arrows and all the war machines to defend the kingdom. Meanwhile, there are sneaky little invaders coming in from other hills in other areas of the kingdom that can now get through because the immune system is now focused purely the army and navy are focused on this one hill where they mm. saw the previous infection coming over. So now opportunistic infections start flourishing in the body because the immune system has become traumatized and starts focusing only on one particular area, using up all of the energy reserves of the body. And the weaker and weaker the body gets, the more the generals keep coming to you and saying, we need more resources, more resources, more resources, which keeps the body in this weakened state because of the trauma of the exp original exposure. So that's yeah. how we kind of see it. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I mean, even in just, uh, that's a great analogy, first of all, and um, I certainly see that, you know, in, in my own uh, practice with people. Uh, mm -hmm. A couple of things I wanna pull out, you know, cause uh, just to circle back, um, what, what, I, what I hear, and this is something I've sort of spoken about uh, fairly extensively is this perfect storm scenario. Mm -hmm. And when I first, um, you know, when I first started really seeing a lot of autoimmune um, people, they, I would, I always do timelines, right? So I go back in time and I sort of sketch out what is your health history? What happened when? Were there life events? Were there stressful events? Um, what mm. happened, you know? And what's interesting is um, a lot of people started telling me like they remembered the day when their autoimmune condition kicked in. Mm. And at first I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, how do you remember the day? You know, I, I don't remember what I did yesterday, let alone, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And so many people, more and more people started saying, I remember the day, I remember the day. And, and then I would say, well, what happened on that day? Oh, that was the day I lost my job. That was the day I got in a car accident. That was the day I got divorced or, you know, and it was always some type of traumatic or stressful event that yes. would kick everything into high gear. Mm -hmm. And so then once you get into it, you start to realize that these people had, you know, maybe food sensitivities kicking around, maybe there was uh, digestion was 
was a little bit off. Maybe they had some low-grade infections and whatnot. And so there was all this sort of stuff orbiting around. And as you said, you know, you've got those three uh, pillars, right? The genetic pillars, um, mm. the mental emotional pillars and the stress, mm. and then uh, and then, then the trigger, right? These infections mm. and so forth. And I have seen that 100%, you know, and on a consistent basis. So um, that makes a lot of sense. And I think for, you know, if you're listening to this, um, you know, maybe that sounds like you, like maybe uh, you're listening to this and you're wondering, like, what the heck happened to you? You know, why are you not the same as you were 10 years ago? And why did that that switch um, flip so quickly? You know? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, and, and it's, it's great that you, you kind of chime with this with this experience, because we see it now in so many different uh, conditions. And it comes down to a core piece of neurology, which is for me, the most exciting bit of neurology, not for people who've got the condition, obviously, but in terms <laughs> of just from a geek perspective, when the amygdala is triggered, it is more prone to learning new conditioning events that are completely neutral. So huh. what that means is, if you are going through, let's say, a really bad divorce, now, which we know is one of the top five things that are very stressful, you know that for a period of time, maybe six months a year, your nervous system is hyper-stimulated, right? You then experience, let's say, flu at the same time. In that moment, your amygdala is like, right, I am keeping the stress system going because we ought to defend against this terrible situation I'm going through. But in that moment, because it's already hyper stimulated, it starts hooking onto neutral stimuli like the symptoms of flu in the body and starts uh, creating meaning there that, oh, these symptoms in the body of flu they're also a threat because I'm in survival mode right now. And then those signals become conditioned stimuli and the brain gets caught in that in that vicious cycle, creating illness. And that's the underlying neurology of the, the amygdala that causes all of this. Yeah, um, which is fascinating. One thing I wanted to add before I forget, um, and uh, a lot of people don't know this, is that when you have these types of neurotransmitters, for example, you know, our stress neurotransmitters and so forth, as you've said, you know, the, the body obviously stays in a weakened state. But I think um, you mentioned something about opportunistic um, organisms, right? Let's just, just call them that, whether they're bacteria or parasites or what have you. And what's fascinating is that when they detect these neurotransmitters, because they are opportunistic, um, they are, you know, they take, they look for an opportunity. They basically say, oh, okay, this person is stressed out. They're weak. Um, mm. We can tell that by the neurotransmitters. So let's multiply. This is a perfect opportunity to take a foothold, whether it be in the gut, whether it be creating biofilms, whether it be systemic infections or what have you. And of course, that then has that knock-on sort of cascade effect of, um, you know, having more co-infections, uh, feeling worse and uh, just mm -hmm. to spiral downwards, right? So, uh, yeah, all fascinating stuff. Um, you know, uh, just to, to keep us on track here, um, you know, what what let, let's talk a little bit about your program and um what that entails and uh if we can maybe just share like even two or three things that people could uh, perhaps do right now um to to sort of kickstart this process of neuroplasticity and regulating the brain a little bit better yeah definitely so we um so i spent the last 20 years refining and refining this technique so we launched our clinic in 2001 and i'd been researching in the late 90s and i kept working with patients to see right what really works for most people, most of the time. And finally published our treatments in 2007. So we were the first kind of limbic brain retraining program uh, back then. And since then, there's been many others that have, have kind, of, kind of come along. And it, really the way the program works is there are three R's of the Gupta program. So the first R is retraining the brain, 
where we teach patients how to recognize these unconscious signals on the periphery of consciousness, which are actually the safety valve for the brain to check in with the prefrontal cortex, the conscious mind. So there's brain retraining. The second R is relaxing the nervous system. So our brains are more neuroplastic and retrainable when the brain is calm. Mm. And so we teach breathing and meditation techniques and uh, obviously anti-inflammatory diets and just good general holistic health as relaxing the nervous system. But those are all supportive to the main core of it, which is retraining the brain. And retraining the brain is not cognitive behavioral therapy. It is not any traditional psychotherapeutic roots. It is very unique, which is repetition and focus. Mm. So we give the analogy of learning to drive a car. So when you learn to drive a car, your first driving lesson, if you sat there from a CBT perspective and said, right, if I'm really positive and I let go of negative thinking and I focus on this, I'll be able to drive the car. It won't make a difference. You have to use this, you know, pr- train your nervous system with the steering wheel and the gear shift stick and the brake and the, the gas and all of those things have to train your brain to become automatic. And so that's what we're doing in brain retraining. And the third R is re-engaging with joy. Mm. It's often, uh, you know, overlooked area of medicine, which is actually if you encourage people to recognize what brings them joy, it boosts their immune system. It takes them back to homeostasis and all of this opportunistic complexity that occurs often comes back to normal as well. So how do we reconnect with our inner joy? So that's a fascinating area as well, but the, the core of it's the retraining. And we'd love for people to um, have a look at our 28 day free trial, which is an opportunity to sample some of the video lessons. We even give a free meditation and find out more about whether this program is right for them. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way of getting into it. And if people do choose to do our program, uh, they can then get 15 interactive video sessions, uh, which have been filmed in the beautiful mountains of Switzerland. So very healing. You get over 40 audio exercises, um, a support group, weekly webinars with myself. And we've trained, we're training now up to 50 coaches that are available for one-on-one sessions. And until we get the large scale phase three trials, so we've done our small scale RCTs, but once we get large scale free uh, trials, until then, we offer a one year money back guarantee on the program. So people wow. can try it, see if it improves. If it doesn't, return it, get your money back, use it on, on something else. Amazing. And I mean, that, uh, that right there, I mean, that's, uh, you know, you can't argue with that, right? Um, mm. So that's, that's incredible. And um, what is, so the program, you know, you have a year, but in your experience, um, how long would it take for people to sort of see the needle start moving? You know, are we talking about four weeks, 12 weeks, six months? Mm. And obviously, it's going to depend on how severe things are. I get that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's really interesting. We always when we have new patients coming into the clinic, try to predict and uh, it's very, very tricky. And so we have people, especially with, let's say, things like long COVID, where the, the, the trick, the brain implanting of that memory has not been for so long. Within days, people can start feeling the healing within weeks wow. they're back to normal. So we had somebody, a 50 year old guy who ran marathons was on the couch for a year. We got him better, you know, within weeks. And so, but some people it takes up to three months, four months, other people even up to six months. So we call our program a six month minimum commitment that no matter how quickly you get better, we don't want people to become complacent because people often, they'll get better within weeks and think I've done it. And they'll go back into this hectic lifestyle and all the symptoms will come back and we say, no, it has to be an ongoing commitment to, to do aspects of this program for the foreseeable future. And it's also about getting people well and staying well. So the latter half of our program is looking at your personality traits, which may increase stress, 
which then could re-trigger some of these immune responses. And learning how to approach life in a very different way to keep your nervous system calm so you stay healthy uh, and well. Yeah. Which, so, is, which is absolutely critical. I mean, I just want to interject for a second, because I think, you know, I've certainly seen this. And I know a lot, we have a lot of practitioners that listen to the show as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how many times do we see someone, you know, they take four or five steps forward, and they go, Oh, my gosh, that's it, I'm good now. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you look at certain things, for example, like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, that's just off the top of my head. You know, that's something that if you don't follow through, uh, the relapse rates are incredibly high, and uh, you can find yourself back to square one in as little as three weeks. You know, so um, yeah. So I think that that sticking with the plan, uh, following through with anything, so that you can actually really, you know, true neuroplasticity, which is uh, create new neural pathways, create new learning behaviors that will actually stay um, stay there uh, as opposed to regressing. Right. So. Absolutely, and that confirms this idea of downstream versus upstream effects that. You can solve the downstream effects, get the system back to balance. But if someone then six months later, two months later, goes through a stressful period, if you haven't dealt with the neuroplasticity, the stress and the immune system have got hardwired together. So then all the symptoms come flooding back. And many patients express that frustration that they then go on to the protocols they were doing before, but they're no longer having the same effect they did at the first time that they did them. And that's why, um, yeah, the the ongoing uh, teaching aspect of building resilience, building relaxation time is so crucial for long term health. Yeah, awesome. Um, well, on that note, I think that's a that's a great um, ending for our conversation today. Um, fascinating conversation. Love the work that you're up to. And uh, I think we have, um, what is it, 15% off uh, for our listeners if they are if they do actually sign up for your program. Is that right? Uh, that's right. Yes, we'd love to offer all of your listeners fifteen percent um, off our program. That still includes the money back, one year money back guarantee, and they can just use the code Masterclass when they go to the checkout, and they'll get fifteen percent off. Awesome. Uh, so for those of you listening, you can check out the show notes. I'm going to put in all the links there. And uh, what's the best website just for people who are maybe just listening to this? Uh, where where is the best place to uh, connect with you or with the program? So they can go to guptaprogram.com, which is G-U-P-T-A program.com. And there they can sign up for the free trial. That's a good starting point, get a feel for it, and then see where they go from there. Yeah. And um, so that's great. So Masterclass is the uh, the code that you can use. Um, I'll put all of this in the show notes, uh, by the way. And one thing I just wanted to sort of bookmark as well for practitioners who are listening to this. Um, you know, one thing I've done in my practice is I've always been very open in terms of complementary therapies for what what I do, right? So, you know, nutrition, functional medicine, et cetera, is, is supplements are only going to get you so far. And for many individuals, um, you know, I've said working with other people, whether it be a functional neurologist, whether it be craniosacral therapy or myofascial release or whatever it is, I think, um, you know, if we if we do have our uh, patients and clients' best interests at heart, um, I, I think that coming at things uh, from a multi-pronged um, approach is, is really the way to go, um, you know, because what I see out there is a lot of people are, you know, certainly the people I work with, they're eating right, you know, they're doing the right thing, and they're just not seeing the needle move. And so uh, things like this, like your program, and, uh, you know, working on brain health and, and nervous system health is really, really key as, uh, you know, a, a, I'll say complementary in uh, quotation marks, uh, co- complementary <laughs> therapy. Um, yeah, you know. absolutely. Yeah. And as you say, you know, right now, we have many functional and uh, 
integrative doctors, complementary therapists who are recommending our program, even well-known ones like Dr. Neil Nathan, Dr. Ruscio, all of these guys. And they're often sometimes prescribing it even before they'll do any of their own interventions because they'll wow. say, look, you're too sensitive. Do the, limit re the brain retraining first and then get yourself up to the 70, 80, 90% and then we can start uh, helping you. And so this is you know, really exciting that they're seeing time and time again, these types of improvements. And for us, it's a, it's a new branch of medicine, a whole new area that can open up a whole new set of healing. Yeah, amazing. And um, that's what we're here to do is push the envelope and uh, push the boundaries and, um, you know, really pave a new way of, of healthcare, um, because certainly people are looking for that. So, uh, Ashok, thanks so much for your time today. Um, great to meet you and hang out with you and um, keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay, awesome. And uh, for those of you who are listening out there, as always, um, please subscribe, uh, leave us a review. It does help to uh, bring me some awesome guests here like Ashok. And uh, of course, share this with your friends, your family, your community. And most certainly, if you are um, either yourself or if you know people that are suffering from these types of illnesses, um, you definitely want to be exploring these types of things, especially if you've never considered them. Uh, so check out the show notes, um, uh, check out uh, Ashok's website and the Gupta program. And um, yeah, uh, be well and have an awesome time.